the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What we want to be is authentic believers whose hope is rooted in the realities and the virtues of Jesus Christ, right? And because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, all of his virtues are yours. And over time, we grow in grace and we become what we are, honorable people. That's what we are striving for. From Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Hi there. Welcome. This is Way of Grace. Our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stan, will return us to the book of Esther, chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Now, we began this message yesterday. It's called, God Hath Highly Exalted Him. And today, we're taking a look at the reverse of the curse upon God's people and a decree that overturns the decree. You see, there are those who would seek to do harm to the church of God. God always seems to have other plans, doesn't he? For the details, here's Pastor Jessica Stand and this edition of Way of Grace. We are at the sort of summit of the book of Esther in terms of the significant and major transition that this account is about to um, expose to us. Chapter 8, as our elder said, um, is a wonderful, wonderful change. We've been dealing with the topic of what this year? Honor, honor, honor. And honor is recognizing the value and the worth of a thing or a person and then bestowing upon that person that value or that worth in order that that person might know that you value them or value it to that degree. We said that honor is that which is bestowed upon with weight and substance and value. And the person that we honor or the people that we honor or the thing that we honor will be known that we honor them by our overt expression towards them that they are to be honored. And I said that the book of Esther is really by theme a book of what? Honor. And you saw it in the latter part of the chapter today in relationship to the people of God for the first time. And remember what I said, honor is viewed in the book of Esther as residing with three groups of people. First, the queen, then Mordecai, the servant, and then finally, the people of God. First, the queen, she becomes the object of honor in the sight of her husband, Xerxes, that husband-wife paradigm that we've been working through in the book of Esther, teaching us something about husbands loving their wives and their wives doing what? Honoring their husbands. This is so rich. I'm going to touch on this a little bit more today, but this chapter is laying again a foundation, a set of principles for which once we turn into chapter 9 and 10, the closing of the book, you really do want to be prepared for chapters 9 and 10, and particularly chapter 9 next week. 
One thing that we can say about where we are in chapter 8, we can say this. What a difference a day makes. Can't we? Right. We can say that for the believer, things in this world are frequently difficult, frequently challenging, frequently problematic, frequently dealed with, dealing with struggles. Our master said it in John 16, in the world, you shall have what? Troubles, tribulations, thalipses, difficulties, straits, and afflictions. That's a common parlance for the life of the believer. And I, I've been trying to press that home for you and I uh, for many years is that you don't want to push trouble away. You don't want to um, um, fray it off from you. You want to learn how to endure trouble. Because what trouble does is it affirms your identity or not. What trouble does is it exposes you to the reality of who you are or who you think you are or not. There's nothing like trouble that will expose the true you. There's nothing like trouble that will help you to see where you really are. Because, you know, the proverb has plainly said it. um, You know, every man is right in his own eyes. We will boast of our qualities and our gifts and our skills. But when trouble comes, we really find out what we're made of. Now, God has ordained trouble for his people. He has ordained trouble for his people because the one thing that God wants to do for his people is demonstrate that he has bestowed upon them honor. You see, if you're a child of God, you're honored of God. If you're a child of God, you're honored of God. Let me see here. Um, When you become a believer in Christ, God positions you in the highest honor that a human being could have. And that is to be called a child of God, to be a son or daughter of God. Would you agree with that? That status is a phenomenal status. But not only is that a calling by which God has positioned you, but it becomes a purpose for which God is going to expose the whole world that you are indeed the object of God's honor. That's why he allows you to go through trials. Remember what um, Peter said? That the trying of your what? that the trying of your faith might be found unto praise and glory and what? Honor. Now watch this because our narrative is going to teach this today. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. So you and I know what our Bibles are, right? It is a story, right? It is a hymn book, right? And that hymn book is about who? Jesus, right? From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we read, as it were, Romans 15, verse 4, um, those things that were written aforetime, they were written for our what? Our learning that we, through patience and consolation of the Scriptures, might have what? Hope. And do the Jews have hope in our context? They have great hope now. But I do want you to appreciate with me the struggle they went through. Because the last time we checked in on the people of God in the book of Esther, they were perplexed. The last time we checked in on them, they were struggling. And that's the life of the believer. One day you check in on your brother and sister in Christ and guess what? They're perplexed and they're struggling. And you give them a minute and you look around, they're happy in Jesus again. How come? Because the Lord doth deliver his people, doesn't he? I think it was Paul who said it in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that the light afflictions that you and I go through for now, they work for us. 
a greater and more exceeding weight of glory and honor. So what trouble does for you as we heard it this morning or maybe last yesterday or maybe Friday, it actually polishes the silver and purifies the gold of your position in Christ. Remember what Job says, I know when he's done, I'll be more than gold. Remember that? I know when he's done, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be much finer in my character and my understanding than that of gold. He actually believed in the outcome of the trial, didn't he? So you and I are in the pocket right now of watching how God now is going to bless the people of Israel, bless uh, Mordecai, and bless Esther at levels of which we have been comprehending and trying to actually take on as a practice. We do believe that before honor, what is required? Humility. Humility. God will never honor you if you don't first humble yourself before him. You will never experience the honor that's yours in Christ until you humbly accept the purging process that God must undertake in your life. You and I all, we all want to experience God's blessings. Well, they are, they are ours in Christ. But in order for us to enjoy them to the glory of God, God has to fit us for them. And the people of Israel right now, the Jews in Shushan in Persia, they don't quite know as of yet what happened. But we do, don't we? We know that God was working on their behalf way up in the echelons of the palace, rearranging events, taking dudes out, putting dudes in, placing in his own secret agents in order to work his purpose out in their life. And do you know that's the way God works in your life? He works in high places, in realms and dimensions that you don't know and don't need to know, quite frankly. Because even David said it in the Psalms, Lord, I have learned not to think more highly than I ought. I have not exercised myself on matters too lofty for me. And sometimes this is where you get in trouble, child of God. You get in trouble when you exceed the boundaries of your capacity and start sticking your nose in places where you don't need to. You really could leave that up to God. You can leave Sacramento up to God. You can leave Washington up to God. You can leave local magistrates up to God. You can leave judicial issues that you pull your hair out up to God. You can pray about it to the king and leave it with the king and let the king work on you. Because the best you is the best you can do for this world. A lot of times we actually are avoiding the real work by pretending we're worried about all kind of other work. And the real work is your walk with God. So what I want to do now is continue where we have been working through our text around the subject of honor. And remember what our theme is for this year, 1 Peter 2.17? Honor all men. Hard work, but necessary. And here's the reason why you want people to honor you back. Here's the ultimate reason why, because God told you to do it. Honor all men. Do what? Love the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood radically. Do what? Fear God and then do what? Honor the king. That is our marching order for this year because Peter, by the grace of Christ's spirit, has taught us what kind of ethic the believer ought to have in this world. You and I are servants in this world. We are kings and queens in God's world, but down here we're servants. That means we need to learn how to wear our servanthood status with dignity and honor and walk in wisdom so that God gets the glory through our lives and not us. And it takes a lot of grace, ladies and gentlemen, to be a servant. It takes grace to be a servant as a father. It takes grace to be a servant as a mother. 
It takes grace to be a servant as a son or a daughter. It takes grace to be a servant on the job. But the quintessential servant in Scripture by which all of us are saved is the Lord Jesus. Behold my servant in whom I delight, whom I uphold. He is the one that we look to as our model. So it's really important that if you're not going to really enjoy the blessings of God exalting us with Christ, even in this life, you and I are going to have to take on the attitude of a what? A servant. And was not Esther a servant? She certainly was. They're on top now, aren't they? They're at the pinnacle of political success and even the visible favor of God. Remember, Esther was the secret servant of God. No one in the kingdom of God, in in the kingdom of Shushan, really knew her er origin or who she was about. But now she's fully exposed, is she not? And Mordecai as well. And what did they both discover? That when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now remember, we went through the trepidation with uh, Esther and her being shocked that the king actually loved her enough to make her queen. And then being shocked that she would have to go into his presence and petition for her people and found out that the king still what? Loved her. And she getting ready to get shocked again because the king is about to love her still. You see, in reality, when you actually understand the book of Esther, and actually when you understand the Bible, it's a love story. This is amazing because you and I walked through last week with her coming to the king and having established a banquet, right? And the king has already given her the credit card, right? Can we keep on that metaphor? He has given her the credit card and it has unlimited value on it. Is that right? She swiped that card last week, right? She swiped that card and guess what? Its credit went through and her chief enemy, Haman, was exposed and condemned, was he not? And all of a sudden we have now in chapter 9, uh, where we are, are in our text, chapter, uh, chapter 8, where we are, we have her now uh, standing before the king and another man is standing before the king. Who was that? Mordecai. And here's the reason why. Esther has told the king who Mordecai is. Everything's laid on the table. Can I say something about love? When love is mutually engaged on the part of a husband and a wife, are y'all ready? You can be honest. See, when you really want to grow in intimacy, we're still sticking with the ROE, are we not? When you want to grow in intimacy, you start to lay things on the table by which your spouse now has to negotiate what you lay on the table in relationship to their love for you. See, so now if Esther did not really believe that Mordecai, uh, that uh, Xerxes loved her the way he did, she might have still kept a little veil there between her and Mordecai because he was already in the Senate, was he not? But now that she has let the king know, this is who? My daddy. Something remarkable occurs in our text. And I'll tell you, I said this to you a few weeks back, and I do not mean at all to discourage looking into commentaries. They are critically important on so many levels. But guess who write commentaries that you study? Men do. And we all write them with our own prejudices and our own bits. And a lot of times we will make comment on texts of Scripture that are rooted in unchecked prejudices. And I told you that many of you will read commentaries and you will draw the conclusion that Xerxes was just some wicked, vile buffoon. 
who had no principle whatsoever, that was given over to vice and given over to profligacy. Isn't that true? And yet, what have you discovered? He has demonstrated himself more principled than even the Judite and the Israelite kings. Are you guys hearing me? I'm going to show you that here in our text in a moment. But just as a principle of biblical interpretation, you will find this true with other Gentile kings too. You will find that in your Bible, Gentile kings often behaved in principle and in dignity better than the people of God. That was one of the indictments that the lawyers laid out against Jehovah's bride, that the pagans are more honorable than the church folk. Y'all got that? The pagans are more honorable than the church folk. So I do want to call your attention to our first point because I think that this is a good way to launch into today's study. I want you to think about with me not only honor because we need to be honorable people because honorable people leads to honorable outcomes, right? Honorable results. Um, But I want you to think about love with me. And here's my proposition, and I've stated it many times. Love always manifests itself as what? Giving. Giving. Love gives unto its object everything it what? That's the nature of real love. Love is never narcissistic. Love is never ever consummating its own gratifications or desires on itself. Love is always given to the other object. This is how you know you are a person of love. You are always looking to give. This is how you know you are a person of love. You're always looking to give, not to take, not to receive. It's okay to take and receive when you need something. In fact, let me correct that. It's okay to receive when you need something. It is not okay to take. It is never okay to take. That's the paradigm of Haman. That's the paradigm of the devil. Never take, only receive. See, because when you receive, you are reciprocating with that person who is giving to you. And it's a great thing to be loved, isn't it? It's a great thing to be loved. Well, I assert to you that Esther is about to be loved by her husband at such a level as to increase her honor. Why do I say that? Because a gracious woman retaineth honor. Remember what the proverb says? See, we're trying to all be better in our characters by the grace of God, right? We want to be godly women and godly men, don't we? We want to actually be real saints of God. We don't want to be religious folks because religious folks, that's just a facade, right? You can be as white on the outside and as black on the inside, right? As holy on the outside and as wretched on the inside. That's just called religion. What we want to be is authentic believers whose hope is rooted in the realities and the virtues of Jesus Christ, right? And because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, all of his virtues are yours, And over time, we grow in grace and we become what we are, honorable people. That's what we are striving for. Well, Esther is about to receive the reward of being honorable, isn't she? Point number one then, love gives unto its object everything it needs. Look at verse one and verse two again of our text. On that day did King Xerxes, that's the short version of this word, Ahasuerus, okay? It's actually even longer in Persian and very much more difficult for us to say. What does it say? He gave her the house of Haman, the Jews, the Jews' enemy unto Esther, the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. Verse 1 underscores three points I want you to get. First, an increase in Esther's what? 
and increase in Esther's honor. Remember what I said to you, if you're an honorable person and you see somebody doing something and they are worthy of you honoring them for it, don't delay honoring them. Let them know that you appreciate what they did. Is that what Xerxes is doing here? Remember Proverbs 3.27? Do not withhold honor from those with whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. That's what the word good means, honor. Let them know, give to them, reciprocate to them. And that's what's happening to Esther. This is an amazing foundation that we're about to lay in terms of how you and I overcome evil. Because right now, what Esther and Mordecai are doing is overcoming evil. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12? Do not render evil for evil, but overcome evil with what? And is that not the ethic that Esther and Mordecai are using? And is it not working? And here the king is demonstrating his love to Esther and expanding her glory by virtue of this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand, what? Riches and honor. What is Solomon talking about? Wisdom. When you and I walk in wisdom, when we submit to God's word, when we walk with God in his truth, guess what he does? He lengthens our days. In fact, how long does he lengthen our days when we believe on him? For all eternity. We go from death to life, don't we? We go from the curse of sin to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Is that a lengthening of our days? Watch this. Not only that, and in her left hand, this is the left hand, right hand metaphor of the woman who is represented by wisdom, riches, and honor. Has Esther now received riches and honor? Let me see if I can help you with that. Remember Haman, how he talked about all the wealth? And all the glory and all the prominence he had, all the power. He he used to go home every day, bring everybody, told the same story every time they came over. Let me show you how much money I got, how much land I got, how much property I got, right? Guess who has it now? Guess who has it now? And you know what the word says. The wicked store up and they heap up and they gather and God gives it to him whom he is pleased with. Is that true? It's happening here. I love it. It's a fundamental principle because I want you to gather these principles in your calling with Christ because a lot of times the disconnect between God's blessings in your life and your relationship with God is the obedience that you should render to him or not. The disconnect between God's blessings in your life and God's promises to bless you are really rooted in whether or not you're going to obey him or not. So there are a lot of Christians walking around uh, perceptibly unblessed. But do you know why? They pay God no attention. They don't obey God. They don't walk with God. Why should God fulfill his promises of blessing on a temporary level to you when you won't honor him? So I just want to press that home. Esther honored God. She honored her father. She honored her people. She honored herself and she honored her king. Look at verse 17 and 18. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are what? This is called wisdom. Verse 18. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is everyone that what? Retains her. Now there's another passage in the proverb I want you to get and that's chapter 22 verse 4. So we're doing proverbial passages to lay down the principle of honor so that the narrative that we're dealing with will have a correlation between the principles that Solomon gives. 
You, you, you and I love narratives. We love stories. But we definitely want to see the principles that anchor those stories because they prove God's faithfulness in our life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches, what? Honor, and what? All right, you want riches? You want honor? You want life? In humility, do what? Fear the Lord. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.